Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. We are joined today by Zach Blakeney in this episode, which is called Unplugging Dads from the Matrix. We go deep today talking about the three tiers of the matrix, according to Zach, how our ego separates us from other people and influences how we interact with others, how you begin to disconnect from fear and the matrix as a dad, why it's crucial for dads to be able to distinguish between perception and reality, the need to be able to talk about our problems with others in our healing journey, why it's crucial to avoid constantly blaming ourselves and instead practice forgiving ourselves for all of our flaws, and why it's important to express your shame, love, and remorse while also taking responsibility for everything. Zach Blakeney is a consciousness and freedom coach who unplugs ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders from the matrix of fear, anxiety, addiction, and inadequacy to be more, feel more, create more, and earn more. His red pill method blends science-based methodology with consciousness truths that create limitless beliefs, heals self-sabotage, and creates lasting freedom. I'm going to drop Zach's links in the show notes at dad.org podcast, but you can find him online, redpillmethod.com slash unplug or take the redpill.io slash unplug. He's also got a couple of free offers. One is take the redpill.io slash quiz. The other is invincible.club slash authenticity. Again, you can find all of that in the show notes, dad.work slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode, guys. And again, if you are enjoying the dad work podcast, two things. First of all, follow me on Instagram. I am very active there. That's where I'm posting most of the content these days to help you become a better man, husband, and father. Dad work dot Kurt is the Instagram handle. And please do me a favor. If you've got five seconds, can you leave us a quick rating on Apple or Spotify? And if you've got 30 seconds and your life hasn't been impacted by the dad work podcast, would you please leave us a review on Apple? This is one of the best ways for this to get in the ears of more men and fathers who need it. And guys, not to toot my own horn here. This is not me. I am just so sure that this work is going to change the world. And I want to live in a world with more men who are doing this. So please give us a rating and review to share the word with other men who need it so we can all live in a world full of men doing this work so that our kids can live in a better world. Anyway, that's it. We're jumping into this episode with Zach Blakeney. Enjoy. All right, dads, we are back for another episode of the Dad Work Podcast. I'm here with Zach Blakeney. And man, I got to say, your tagline on Instagram is like the best one I've ever heard. It is unplugging ambitious men from the matrix. And this re- like this resonates so hard for me because I think that everything that's going on today, man, we are just being sucked into things that don't matter and that are not even real. So I want to start this conversation by just going like, dude, could you break this down for us? Because I think it's incredibly important for guys to just get a sense of like why this is what you do. Yeah. So let's talk about what I call the three levels of the matrix. So the first level, we have the narrative. The narrative is what we are born into, right? So, and the narrative is changing, right? With generations and just as we evolve as a, uh, as a community. So with that, we have the narrative. This is going to be what you were told as a child and even all the way until you become a young adult, life should be or what life is, right? So you're told, for instance, you know, we're in America, there's the American dream, American dream, Go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a degree, graduate, get a job, find a wife, get married, have kids, wait, I guess, until retirement, you know, live live the rest of the time until retirement, right? Inside of that narrative, there's also all these different things that we're told, right, that we should be doing with ourselves. So if we just start with grades, for instance, and I look at the grade system, it's very funny to me. Because we're in a school system where we're tested on our aptitude of what we're learning, and then we get a grade for it, and we get conditioned that this is going to be the way that success happens for us through our life. It's how we learn. All the way through college, happens the same way. You're getting grades and degrees. Then you get into uh, adulthood, and you get a job, and you're not tested on really anything when it comes to taking a test. You're actually tested on your behaviors and your performance. So what I think is really funny is that if we go all the way back to before grade school and we go into preschool, what kind of uh, system were they on? Typically, they were on a gold star system. And the gold star system was all behavior based. Mm. Share your toy with another kid. Gold star. Right. To contribute in class. Gold star. Show up on time or come out of recess on time and everything else. Gold star. It's all behavior based. 
But then for what reason, we shift into this other way in which we're learning, but we're not actually learning. If you guys, I don't know about y'all, but like me, it was like, oh, I have a test. Okay, night before, you know, memorize, memorize, memorize. Cool, made the test. I don't remember what I learned. Let's all go on to the next thing I need to memorize, right? So we have that. Then we also have the teachers that are contributing to our own conditioning. Not all teachers are great. Not all teachers are bad. Some teachers are middle of the road. It is what it is. But you're going to get different messages coming from different ones. Second grade teacher might be different than third grade teacher. Fourth grade teacher, different fifth grade teacher. All with different personalities, views on perspective on life. And they're giving you their view on life in a time in which literally we are taking in so much information. From the time you're zero to seven, you're actually in something called theta waves, right? Your brain is taking in three times the information, everything that you're observing and everything that your subconscious is observing. So it's an incredible thing to think about that literally we're being fed different information as we're going up. It can be very confusing. Then we have our parents. And with this, our parents were not prepared for what the world is today. They brought us up in the way that they experienced the world. So when we're talking about the internet, especially my generation, I'm 35, so like there was no internet when I was like five, and then there was the internet, and there was broadband internet, and then there was smartphones, and now there's everything you could ever imagine, right? Which my parents were not prepared for getting me ready for this. I had no idea. So then we look at the narrative in any, in any other ways, like religion. So if you look at the religious narrative, and if you are a follower of Western religion, let's just say Christianity, you're told that there's a heaven, there's a hell, right? And that if you want to be able to live and get to heaven, you need to accept Jesus as your savior and you need to do all these different things, right? Which were fed inside of this. Now, what a lot of people don't realize on the religious aspect is, is that most people hold a pattern of guilt from the way in which religion is taught. And it's a very interesting thing to think about. And this is something that I'm just bringing up in a sense, because when I was going, when I was young and I was in the Catholic religion, I was told when you sin, you ask for forgiveness and then God will forgive you. Or for us, we go to a priest and the priest has the power to absolve my guilt. What? Okay. They've missed a really crucial step in between there. When you make a mistake, Learn the lesson from the mistake so then you can actually forgive yourself through the process. Because once we become an adult, that's what we're told. It's all about lessons. Learn your lesson, learn your lesson, learn your lesson. But again, we're not conditioned to even understand how to look for a lesson and experience. We're just either victimized by it or if we don't feel victimized by it, we feel like, oh, well, this is great and everything's great and all, we're all good here. So and then we look at the other behalf of this in the sense of when we become an adult, And then we're sitting here and we've told how life is going to be. And then we become an adult. We're not ready for our finances, like how to manage finances. School doesn't do that for us. We're not really ready of how to have a relationship with a woman or a man, if you're a woman, right? We only see what we learn from our parents. So now we talk about generational curses inside of this, right? Of like just what we observe is what we think a relationship is. Well, my parents' relationship, I love them. They stayed together while me and my my, my sister all, all the way through college, but the love was not there. The physical touch was not there. So I observed something in a relationship of like not even really understand how to express love. Mm. So that's a big wrap, kind of, so to speak. I mean, we can go even deeper in the financial system and like all the different ways in which we're being controlled by a society. Um, and we can look at this and this is happening in Canada and the United States. The whole thing with COVID was a big control mechanism, right? To put fear being the weapon of the narrative mm-hmm. is fear. And through that process, trying to control our behavior to act in a way that they want us to act rather than what we can express authentically in ourselves and become actually the powerful creator of our experience rather than a slave in our experience. So that's step one. Now, step two, level two of the matrix is your mind. Now we're talking about the mind. We're talking about the ego. The ego is, if we look at just the characteristics of the ego, so you, if you want to be able to identify this inside of your mind. The ego is of a separative nature and also inclusive. The ego uses fear in your mind as a weapon to control your behavior. The ego has a hierarchical perspective on life. Either they're better than me and I can't be like them, or I'm better than you. Stay away from me. So when we think about that and how that's happening inside of your mind, it not only separates 
you from others, but it splits your mind. Because on the other end, you have this other voice inside of you. And this other voice seems to come from the heart space. I believe it's the creator inside of all of us. Call it the Holy Spirit. Call it your intuition, your voice. It is completely opposite. Its characteristic is love, courage, going after what you want in life, being able to create a beautiful life for yourself, right? Being compassionate towards others, forgiving others before they even act, before you even actually have the apology, being able to forgive them for what they've done. That's what that voice is speaking to you. So you have the duality of these two voices. Well, again, what does the narrative do? The narrative is bumping on that ego the entire time, enhancing the ego. So now you feel imprisoned by your own mind. And then we get to the body. And the body is a living library, meaning that your subconscious mind and or your body is constantly recording everything that you're doing with no emotional filter of whether you like what you're doing. doesn't care. It just says this is what you're doing. So now we take the narrative programming the mind and then the mind programming the body to create, again, a program. And the subconscious mind basically being a predictor for your present behavior. Oh, this is what the things that you've been doing. Let's just talk about like some limitations that I experienced. Oh, you're watching porn. Okay, you keep watching porn. Okay, I'm going to create a trigger in your body so that you watch porn today. I'm going to create a trigger in your body so you watch porn today. Right? Not knowing really what's happening in the result of that, and we can get into that, but what happened to me in that experience, right? Oh, you like scrolling on your phone every single day. Okay, this must be what you like doing. So let me give you a trigger when you feel emotionally distressed to start picking up your phone and scrolling on your phone. Again, you might not like it, and you'll know that you don't like it because there's this uncomfortable feeling of, of shame and guilt and inadequacy in your gut while you're doing this thing, but you keep doing it. Well, you've literally programmed yourself to do this. And these three levels are all blocking what is actually real life, the reality of the fact, which is that your spirit, your consciousness, God within you, the spirit, whatever it is that you want to say is real. And it is the only thing that is real. So to be able to get to that, to be able to understand that, to be able to become the powerful creator of your experience, you have to unplug from these levels to be able to really see the free will that you have to create whatever life you want to create. Man. Okay. Thank you for that. That's intense. And I love it. <laughs> uh, so, so the unplugging, I want to just dive a little bit into this before we go through, cause I've got like four or five things, maybe six things that you mentioned before this, when we were chatting that we should dive into, but I want to get more into how we, okay, let's just say I'm listening to this and I'm like, Oh shit, I'm in this. I'm really, now I'm kind of scared speaking of the fear aspect. How do I start to unplug? And I, I'm sure that is sort of the work you do. So I don't want to like, you know, reveal trade secrets, if you will. But what might be the first steps along this journey? Is it mindfulness? Is it something else? What does it look like to start to unplug? Yeah, so we have to start with the individual mind and how the mind is perceiving reality, right? So this is a very interesting thing to think about, is that perception and knowledge are two different things. But we confuse perception for knowledge all the time. And this is what I mean. A perception is something like this. Let's, let's use a scenario. You see somebody else that is doing something that's working for them. Let's just say they're an entrepreneur and they're just killing it in their business. And you are in the same industry and you're not. Well, you see what they're doing and you see how successful they are. And they say, man, look at all those things he's doing. But like, uh, I, don't, I don't think that would work for me. That's not going to work for me. Okay, you've just confused perception with knowledge. You haven't had the experience. How would you know whether it works for you or not? You've just sat in your chair, looked at somebody else, judged it as not for you, and then what you're going to do? You're going to keep sitting in your chair, feeling confused and not knowing how to act. Mm -hmm. We do this in relationships a lot. We have this really beautiful, maybe like a um, couple of weeks, right, of dating somebody. Maybe there's a really strong, like... Uh, uh, energetic pool with this person, then we start creating perceptions. We're like, ooh, this person's my soulmate. Or man, this person, I think I'm going to be this person forever. But then the reality of the fact is that this person does you wrong. And you say, nope, we're going to be together forever. She's my soulmate. It's okay. And they do you wrong again. No, we're going to be forever. It's okay. And then the things that they're doing to you become worse and worse and worse and worse. You still are stuck on this perception that they're the one for you, even though your experience is showing you that you're not. So you prolong your pain inside of a relationship just because you have a misperception. And again, you've confused perception for knowledge. Knowledge only comes through one thing, experience. 
It's the only thing that it comes through. So until we can start to understand where are the stories in my mind that are perceptions that I've actually made connections to that we need to disconnect. A good example of this is that, and this is what the mind will do. I can take this journal that I'm holding up and my phone and holding up. These are two separate things. I can create a story between these two things that seems very real to me. In the entrepreneur space, when I'm coaching entrepreneurs, they like to put their inadequacy and making money together. No, inadequacy is a feeling. Making money is a thing. You can feel inadequate and still make money. I work with a lot of guys that have made a lot of money and still just don't feel worthy of their life. And then I've worked with guys that don't feel worthy of making money and can't make money because they're detangled inside of this whole thing. And it's just a self-perpetuating cycle. So again, the matrix creating these narratives, some are ours that we experience through our life, but most of them are everybody else's perceptions on what we should do and how things are. And they create these neural pathways of connection that we have to go into and disconnect and then reorient them with a truth, what I call an absolute truth, which is something that cannot be argued. So this is the way essentially inside of this. And this is this when we go into reprogramming now. Basically, I'm down, we're downloading a new software and you've been on a hardware program. And this is the transition point where you start to actually change and unlock the spirit inside of you to become the creator. Man. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about your journey through this to get a little bit more of like a concrete look at what this might be like? Because just from experience, this is really hard. Like This is yeah, excruciatingly hard because it is so well designed, programmed, whatever the matrix as you're talking about it to keep us this way. And it's very difficult to be able to find the tools to go in there and to be mindful of which is perception and which is knowledge and what's going to serve us and who we truly are not who we're programmed to be or who we, you know, believe to be based on perceptions. So is there, um, you know, something in your story that can sort of show what it looks like to be like, oh man, like I had this realization and then I went down this path and like, this is why I know this to be true so that the guys listening can be like, oh, okay, what are my perceptions? What is reality? Like, are there tools or is it just like you got to bring your own mind, which is again in the matrix to this? I feel like there has to be something to do in a sense or somewhere to somehow to be. Is that, is so, that true? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's going to have their individual journey, right? So I have a framework of being able to see patterns essentially is what it is. It's pattern recognition inside of our own life. And then when I can recognize the pattern, then I know where to move into for the work. Now, before I go into my story, I want to start with something that can be very beneficial straight up. Blaming and complaining are the two symptoms of victimhood. And a victim is enslaved. The victim is in prison, right? So anybody listening, if you could actually just start saying, oh, becoming aware that, oh, I'm blaming somebody else and just reframe. So what would happen if I took 100% responsibility for what I'm blaming somebody else for? I keep complaining about this thing. What would happen if I took 100% responsibility for the thing I'm complaining about? You'd stop complaining about it every single day. You stop blaming people every single day. Mind is a tricky thing. The mind projects out what it doesn't want to own and then simultaneously it conceals it from you so that you keep carrying it every single day. When you blame somebody else for something, it's because you're not willing to own it. You wake up the next day and you're still blaming them for the same thing, still feeling guilty and inadequate inside of yourself. Now, when you blame them, you feel temporarily better because the mind's like, oh, I've taken action. I've done something. But again, you're going to wake up the next day feeling the same way, same way, same way. Because all you're doing is deferring responsibility and the creator inside of a life has 100% responsibility for what they're creating. And if you don't have that, you can't. So let me go to my story a little bit. So when I was 14, it was 2000, and we had just moved from uh, dial-up AOL internet into broadband. Broadband was this new world of like, they were filling so much stuff on the internet. Well, one of those things were video pornography. And I'm a 14-year-old boy. So I was uh, given a computer, a family computer was down in the basement. Again, this is not my parents' fault. They didn't know, but I started exploring. And I started exploring things that I wanted to see as a 14-year-old boy. Prior to that, I was like, living there. I don't know if you've ever been at this point, but like there was like a Cinemax and then there was like these fuzzies. And like as, a, as, a, as an 11-year-old, I'm watching like Cinemax fuzzy. I was like, I think I see a boob. And it was like, oh, now I really see a boob. Oh my God. So 
I started watching these things. And I didn't really understand if anything was actually physically wrong with me until um, I got to about, I was 20 or 21. Now, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm just, just to throw it out there, I know I'm not a bad looking guy. I've been able to date some pretty good looking women. Now, through high school, for whatever reason, I avoided having sex with them. I had opportunities, but I avoided it. I had a fear about it, and I, I didn't know what that meant. By the time I got into college, I started having experiences with women. And I was having experiences with erectile dysfunction. I was a 20 or 20-year-old. 20 no idea why. So I ended up like, you know, getting some Viagra, Cialis, things like that. Those things started to help. But on the background, I was still watching porn very consistently, once or twice a day. Sometimes I would lock myself in my room for my roommates and say I was studying, and it was an all-day extravaganza of just doing this thing. Well, then over time, as I get into my mid-20s, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to struggle. Like, I'm experiencing social anxiety. I'm definitely experiencing performance anxiety. I literally have, have mapped myself into being afraid of being with a woman because how many times, even with Viagra, that I was failing to, to actually have sex with a woman in the process. And then I ended up getting with my ex-wife. Well, I was about 27. And when I found her, this is what I was talking about earlier. Like sometimes you'll meet somebody that that interject connection is so strong. Like you feel it. That was, that was her for me. And I actually didn't watch porn so much during maybe the first year or so. And I was still using like Viagra and stuff like that. But I was, I was, I thought I got healed. I was like, she healed me. Well, then relationship starts to wind down. And then you get into the point where you actually have to do work. Then old habit starts creeping in. Porn starts creeping in. I start having moments where I'm not able to perform with her. That traces me down into something else that's like going to make me feel good. I start doing hard drugs, uh, MDMA, cocaine. Um, then I lose myself even more completely. And then at some point, it was a breaking point where my ex-wife was like, hey, I can't do this anymore. So the real breaking point was the fact that when I came to the point where I was, um, where I was ready to talk about porn addiction and we came out about the whole thing. I went through the process of a healing process, which was 90 days of nothing. Like you had to do no sex, no, no jacking off, no nothing to start with the reprogramming process. And then I was able to actually have sex with my ex-wife, but there was some things that were left over that were in the program of being an addict. And that was what you do to protect the addiction from everyone else. Because you, as the addict, hold a lot of shame and shame being the key into an addiction. And with that, you'll project out an image of what you want everybody else to see. Well, to uphold that image, you will lie, you will manipulate, you will try and control people away from seeing what this was. So even though I came out about that, I was still lying, manipulating, and controlling my ex-wife. And that ultimately is why she left, because those parts of the programs were still running, even though the behavior was not there anymore. So with all of what I'm saying to you, and to anybody that's listening, is that I probably watched pornography and did the whole cycle 10,000 plus times. And that might be a low ball. I mapped that behavior into my library, my subconscious, that many times. And when I actually got my head up out of my ass, so to speak, and sat in front of myself and stopped blaming everybody for what I did and started taking responsibility, then I started to really become obsessed with understanding neuroplasticity, uh, uh, subconscious remapping. Um, I started becoming obsessed with how the body works. Uh, again, how the brain works when it comes to it, like projection and understanding this. I started to really want to understand these things logically. And then another part happened for me is that my spirit unlocked and I started to really be very conscious of the duality between the two voices inside of myself. So. To bring this all the way into fruition of understanding, well, what did I do to start changing? And this is the hardest thing and the simplest thing. And the simplest things are always the hardest things. Matter of fact, when I tell my guys to do this, they, they scoff at me and they say, that's not going to work. If you do something repetitively over and over and over again, that creates a program, you need to repetitively do the new thing over and over and over again to download the software. So what we use is things, I call them fortification statements. They can also be called grounding statements or um, uh, Tony Robbins used the word incantations. What these are is basically once you find the, the illusions and the misperceptions in your mind, you find the truth. The truth is the fortification statement. Your brain, your body, it will, and your ego will create these old 
patterns of thought. Well, now that you've done the discovery process to understand what the lesson was, you just meet it with the statement. One of the most powerful statements I used during this time was that I was doing the best that I could with the knowledge that I had. That eliminated the regret. That eliminated the I should have, I would have, I could have. And every single time any of that rhetoric started to show up in my mind, I was doing the best I could with the knowledge that I had. I would go on 20-minute walks and repeat that only. Why? Because on a 20-minute walk, if I repeated it, let's say, 500 times, that's 500 times downloading this new thing in so that my old process stopped. And as I was going through this process for about six months, the first uh, month or so, I would give it like, you know, and this is just for relational sense. 10% of the time I was acting within my new self, 90 was still then, but I kept being consistent. 90 days in, 50-50, right? Four months in, it's starting to turn. Six months in, I was maybe 10% of the time having these things happen. But again, I had done my own inner work inside of myself to understand where I needed to actually ground myself in the truth of who I wanted to be. Another thing that's behind me uh, on my wall here is called the Invincible Shield. And this is also fortification statements. You want to change the way that you are, you start with the mind. Because the mind is the thing that controls the body, in a sense, in the communication of it. But ultimately, the mind and the body are simply tools for the soul to navigate it in the way that you want to navigate. And you wouldn't let a hammer tell you what to do, would you? Because that's ultimately what's happening when you're allowing your ego or triggers of the body to influence your present behavior. So that's a broad look at it. Again, everybody is individualized. And I've, there's more than one grounding statement. There's one, more than one fortification statement. It just every single misperception to align them to an absolute truth is that fortification statement. And once my clients learn just a small piece, like if, like if, like what I like to do is like, okay, what are the things that you're experiencing right now? Well, A, B, C, D, E. Cool. Let's just focus on A. And then I'm going to give you all the tools inside of A. And then B becomes easier to see the illusion. And then C becomes easier to see the illusion. And then by then, you're actually starting to heal yourself through the process because you're making new neural connections that are aligned with the soul, with your authenticity. Man, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate the the deep dive because that's it's not easy for a lot of men to share and it's so powerful for a lot of men to hear. And I know that when we get personal stories like that, it is some of the most impactful things that a guy can hear. And what you said about doing the best you could with the knowledge you had, I relate that to parenting in a lot of ways because when I have done things that I don't like based on my programming, I was very easily put into the mindset of like, wow, I am a loser. I can't believe I did that. I am broken. Uh, I'm ruining my children. And it took me a long time to get to the place of forgiveness of self, which was I was doing the best I could. And I didn't know how to do any better. And if I could have done better, I would have. But man, I was hurting. I didn't have any tools. Makes sense. And then it was like, oh, man, can just forgive that guy. Give him a big hug. Right? So that's that's so... Yeah, it's incredible, man. I just want to honor you for being able to do that for yourself. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, th this brings me... Sorry, am I getting feedback on that? I think you got a little bit of feedback. Okay, that, that's all good. I, I want to dive a little bit into um, just looking at the topics we're going to cover. And maybe we, this is a good place to go into healing generational wounds and curses. We talk about that a bit on this podcast, um, especially as fathers if we don't address these things in our lives, then they typically get passed on to the next generation. That's what happens with our fathers. If they're not mindful and if they're not conscious about doing their work, that's what happens to us. And so a large part of my work is like, hey guys, there are things in your life that happened in the past that made you feel a certain way that the ego that you're talking about created a defense mechanism to guard against so that you didn't have to feel that initial pain. And every time something even comes close to that, this defense mechanism kicks in to save you and protect you. But when you're an adult, it's typically not needed because you're not in real danger of dying, which is what we think when we're a kid. And so I'm curious to hear your sense of healing trauma, uh, moving through that, working with it, because I love getting new perspectives on this because uh, there's always new things for me to put into my toolbox and to help the guys do their own work. So it sounds like it's probably related to a lot of the stuff we're talking about already, but I wonder if this is like a, a specific piece that there's more to go into. Yeah, for sure. So let's just talk about, you know, holding on or what is emotional baggage? 
And I, I kind of alluded to this in what I was talking about, in which when we project something out and we don't own it, we end up carrying it with us. Right? So this is essentially emotional baggage. Now, emotional baggage is going to have a lot of different stories attached to it that are traumatic for us. And I've come to a new realization of like, I feel like the definition of trauma keeps getting broader and broader, but this is the broadest definition, but it also brings me to what I believe to be true, which is trauma is anything, anything that keeps you from expressing and experiencing unconditional love. So if you could see this dividing line of what that is, and you can see, oh, I'm, having, I'm hating somebody here, I'm resentful here, I'm holding regret here. All of those things are keeping me from experiencing that. Now, if we dive into that again, different stories, you know, maybe, you know, somebody died at a young age, uh, maybe it was abuse, like we can go into more very uh, intense experiences of trauma. But again, just bring it back to that statement. If you're not experiencing unconditional love, there's something blocking you from being able to do that. Ultimately, it's hurting yourself because unconditional love is the birthright. This is what we've been given to live inside of this experience. So what happens here is that when we're experiencing something traumatic, Normally, we're going to take on the victim role, right? So we're either going to say that we're blaming somebody else, but even worse, a lot of times we blame ourselves. And with blaming ourselves, we take on fault. But there's a difference between fault and responsibility that most people don't understand. Fault, you can say, yeah, this was my fault because I created this, but it's also your responsibility to move forward from this experience in a way that helps you grow. And when we only blame ourselves and fault, we are blocked from seeing how we can grow from the experience. With that, a lot of different emotions start to come into play. We feel guilty about what we've done. We feel shameful about what we've done. So again, different between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did a bad thing. Shame is I am a bad person. But on the emotional spectrum, these are some of the lowest vibrational emotions that we can experience. They are contracting inside of ourselves, which is why hiding is the biggest key to understanding where you need to do your work into. Because if you're hiding something from your wife, if you're hiding something from your kids, if you're hiding something from your friends, it's because you are experiencing guilt and shame around that. And you don't want anybody else to know because you're afraid of the judgment. I'm afraid that I'm going to be judged as being guilty. I'm afraid as I'm going to be judged as being a bad person. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose somebody. There's all these different fears that keep the hiding happening. So when we do that, we don't want to look at it. We act like it doesn't exist, even though we're fighting these battles on the edges of our mind the entire time. And the things that we're battling on the edge of our, not, our mind are ultimately calling this, causing the self-sabotage in our life. It's a very small little thing when you think about how you're showing up. You're like, oh, well, I'm this way and this way. I'm really proud of all these things. But uh, there's this little thing that I really don't want to look at. But that little thing literally is causing all of the self-sabotage in your life. Like you have to be able to understand it. But again, the fear is what keeps us from doing it. So how do we get out of it? Well, we have to learn how to express it. When we can express our shame, and I mean express it, I mean owning it and talking about it, we release it. Because we're actually taking something we've been avoiding and we're bringing it front and center, which is painful. And this is the thing about human beings. I use this analogy all the time. Like most of us are in the middle of the ocean, wading water, trying to keep our head above water. We're just doing our best because we're afraid to drown. But if you got your head stunk under the water or, or, or dunked under the water, you would be forced to learn how to swim. And then you could just get out of the middle of the water and you swim to shore. But you're afraid to drown, right? So we'd rather have this little bit of pain the entire time and hold it over a longer period of time than having intense amount of pain that we just move through and never have again. But that's the key to not holding on to this. So when we express shame, and we express it to somebody in which we know can receive what we're talking about. And inside of a marriage, a very healthy marriage, transparency is this. And the ability to communicate is something I call express and reflect. And if you actually communicate like this, you will never trigger the ego. So what you would do is you would express only your experience. Here's my experience. Here are my emotions. This is how it's making me feel. What is your reflection? Then you allow for them to extend their experience and how they feel about it. Maybe how they feel about your experience. And they ask for a reflection. And if you communicate it at this level the entire time, there's no blaming and complaining. And if we blame and complain, we trigger each other's egos. And we trigger each other's egos, then it just intensifies to anger and division. Because again, what does the ego want? Separation. Inside of a relationship in which you guys should be union. 
So when we have the courage to be able to express something that we're going through, we end up releasing it out of our system. We also, if we're expressing it to somebody else who is a non-biased and actually loves us, they can help you get out of the misperceptions and the stories you're telling yourself around this thing, which alleviates it. And then you actually experience something you're looking for. Better understanding, which leads to more love in your life. Shame, guilt, and love are the most powerful transformative emotions on the planet. They're also on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And that's the point. If you're not willing to express your shame and your guilt, you're also not able to experience love in its highest form because you're not allowing yourself to be seen. So we would rather just sit in the middle, float around, rather than going for it so we can experience what we're looking for. So here's an example. And this might be something that this, I'm sure something everybody, can, like a lot of guys can do this or uh, relate to this. Let's say you've been working a lot. And this is how tricky projection is, by the way. Let's say you're working a lot. And your wife has been like, hey, like, we'd really like to spend some time together. Uh, but you've been working a lot. Could you kind of like make time for me? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you keep working a lot. Your program, you keep working a lot. So then one day you poke your head up and you realize what you've been doing. And you say, hey, babe, do you feel like we haven't been spending enough time together? you think her response is going to be? Yeah, I've been telling you that the entire time. Like, can we do something about this, please? That's projection. You feel guilty for working too much and you're not owning your emotion. You're not expressing it. Here's expression. Hey, babe, I feel really guilty that I've been working a lot lately and I know that you've been wanting to spend time together and I'm sorry that it's taken this long for me to realize this, but I really do want to spend more time with you. And what do you think about that? Can we figure this out? What is her response? Thank you so much for like owning that. And yes, of course, I'd really love to spend time with you. Thank you for doing this for me. That, that, that tricky, that tricky of a projection. But again, we don't want to own that we feel that way. And men are especially hard at doing this. They're not very good at doing this. They're not good at owning it. Now take this one little example and then amplify it into things that you really feel a lot of shame about. For me, porn. If I would have came out with my ex-wife and say, Babe, I didn't know that this was a problem. I did, but I really didn't understand all the way to. I, I need to tell you something I feel a lot of shame about. I don't want to have this happen in my life anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. But I keep doing it, and I don't know how to not do it anymore. And the only thing I can think about is to tell you. And I feel guilty, and I feel shameful. I know it's causing a lot of division. Can I just tell you? And the reason why I'm telling you is because I want you to understand me more, and I really want to have a beautiful and united relationship. That's why I'm telling you. I'm addicted to porn. And I need help. Completely different delivery. She would have said, I knew something has been wrong. The intuition of women. I knew there's been something wrong with this man. He hasn't been telling me what's wrong with this man. Finally, he's telling me what's wrong. But then through that process, I now have my partner that could be with me to say, oh my goodness, thank you for telling me. Yes, what can we do? Instead of her finding out. And her finding out and seeing all the things that you've been watching, which happened to me in pornography, and feeling like she's not good enough for you, feeling like you're not attracted to her, feeling as if she's inadequate of the relationship because you're hiding it and you're not expressing what your true emotions are around it. That's why if we could just have the courage to express the things that we are not proud of, we don't hold on to it anymore. And so I could wake up the next day and feel a little bit lighter and then I could get the resources that I need and then I can move away from it. Now, let's take a zoom out because higher perspective is always how this wins. Anybody that's listening right now, what if for the next 30 years of your life, you only felt shame and guilt one total year the entire time, and you had 29 years of feeling and belief, clarity, love, having all these things that you wanted? Because remember what I said, guilt and shame, it's not about eradicating them. They're powerful emotions. If you mess up, you're going to feel guilty. Say, I feel guilty. I made a mistake. I feel guilty about that. I'm so sorry. Then you don't feel guilty for the next 30 years while you're trying to create something that you want to create. But again, if you've been listening right now and you literally have been feeling guilty and shameful and inadequate all the way up to this point in your life because you don't want to admit to somebody else, what is that limiting you from? Because ultimately it's limiting you from being exactly the man that you want to be and having the things in your life that you want to have. If you don't feel like you're worthy of them, you're not going to get them. Start expressing it. See the change in your life happen very quickly.
Bro, <laughs> I just want to put an underline on that last segment because it could be the most important thing that any man hears. Like literally that's how important it is. And it brings to mind the work we do in men's group. Even last night, there was a man who said, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just talking. And I go, bro, that is the work. You are owning the feelings that you have repressed and not looked at for however many years. And now it feels different. And I said, what's different this time? Oh, well, I'm, I know I need to surrender. It's like, yes, exactly. You're surrendering, you're expressing and you're letting that be. And man, that changes lives. So I just want to like really, really underscore this for guys. This is it. Like, this is what worked for me. This is what's working inside our men's groups. This is what's working with your clients. Like this is fundamental. So I, man, I, I'm, I love that treading water and the dunk in your head under and experiencing the pain. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important for guys to make hard choices, for guys to do hard things so that they get comfortable with their backs up against the wall, with their heads dunked under the water going, oh yeah, I can swim. And how encouraging is that? How life-giving is that to be able to do that? And man, the dichotomy between the shame and the guilt and love, how could you not want to do this? This is a this is a call out, I would imagine, to a lot of guys. You could not feel this way tomorrow if you find a safe place to express it. So thank you, man. Like, I'm, I'm really, really appreciative of what you just shared. Yeah, man. Again, it's my honor. I'll tell you one of the things is that um, all these little fears that we have, like fear of failure, um, fear of judgment, fear of being, it's, it's all actually something that is wrapped up in something that's bigger, which is the fear that you might actually be the man you say you're going to be. That's what it is. You're afraid inside of yourself right now that you could actually be loving and caring and successful. And this vision that you see of yourself is like a, a reality and it's not a dream. You're afraid of that because if you weren't, you would just be it. So why aren't you? Hmm. I can make this very simple. I can put fear and love together and say, fear and love, which one do you choose? And most of the time when I put that in front of groups and guys, they say love. I'm like, cool. So why are you choosing fear every day? What? You're choosing to be fearful every day, but consciously in front of me, you're telling me this because your program has been so ingrained in you for being fear mongered that you don't even notice that it's fear. But insecurity, inadequacy, incapability, all of these are the children of fear. Fear is the origin that creates all of these. So if you can start to recognize that as such, then you can really start to create that division inside of your mind to understand what you're choosing inside of yourself. What you choose inside of yourself is also what you choose to create. Hmm. Everything that you have or you don't have in your life right now, whether you feel like it was victimized or whatever else, no, the truth of the matter is, is you created it. And then can you see the beauty in that statement? Because if you can create suffering for yourself, you can also create beauty for yourself. You just have to have the realization, the awareness that that is true for you. Yeah, man, that's so powerful. And uh, the thing that's coming up for me is um, a desire to just sit with this, honestly, for a second. And also what you said about working too much reminded me of one of the other questions that I wanted to get into, um, which was about stopping work in such a way that you have like a was like a, a program almost creating a, a healthy balance with work life and strategies to leave work and create full presence at home. So again, like I told you at the beginning, I'm, I was going to jump around because I really like all these questions. Um, but guys, just like feel into, feel into what just happened. But I'm interested because I get asked this all the time. I work from home, so it's there's less of a commute. Obviously, I go right from work to home and I've got to make sure I'm breathing. I got to make sure I close out everything in my work day. I got to make sure there is some thing between work and home that keeps me from just being like work mode, work mode, work mode, and not being present. And I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about creating this because I get asked this all the time. Yeah, it's so simple. And like, this is all going to be a theme here of how simple this is. Simply when you're done with work, pull out a journal, write down where you are with your work emotionally. Where do I feel like I'm at? How am I feeling about what I've done? Then look at the next day and see what the top three priorities that you will have for the next day of what you need to do. Write them down. Look at the day that you had as well if you need to and review anything that might be left over. Put that also there and then leave. 
when we are not present at home is because we're thinking about what we should have done during the day and also what we're going to do tomorrow. But you're thinking about it so much because you're not grounded in understanding what exactly you need to do. You're confused about it. If you weren't confused about it, you want to keep thinking about it. Taking 10 minutes to shut your mind down to say, here's how I felt about today. Here's some of the things that are left over that I can put in tomorrow. And here are my top three priorities for tomorrow. That simple will create more presence when you go home because you're not thinking about what you need to do. And if I could give you like a higher look at this and a sense of the perspective on this is that impatience is one of the main limitations that we have. We're impatient. And impatience is what drives us away from doing things as simple as this. 10 minutes so you can sleep sound at night. But you, inside of impatience, prioritize work, work, work over self, self, self. And when you do that the entire time, eventually you drain yourself and you become confused, exhausted, and you feel stuck. You feel like you know how to get to where you're trying to get to. So that's a very simple exercise to be able to do so. And if you can just do that every single day, guys, literally. And then if you want to add something that just is a little bit extra, you can sit down and you can visualize what it would be like the next day in which if you were just showing up in your best self and just like killing work, you know, you're just showing up in your best self. Visualize what it'd be like for all these things that you feel some sort of problem about that you could see the clarity and everything is working out exactly the way it was supposed to work out. The mind doesn't know the difference, especially the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what you visualize and what actually happens in your life. This is why VR, in a sense, can be so powerful for creation of uh, getting practices through. Like, for instance, I was at a, there's a VR agency that helps people in public speaking. You put on a VR, you get in front of a podium. It seems like there's thousands of people. Your body will react the same way of being afraid of speaking in front of it, and you say your speech. And as you do that repetitively, it makes it so that it's easy to do in real life. Well, if you were just doing this inside of your space as well, visualizing the most positive outcome, you're most likely going to have an aligned version to that most positive outcome. Dude, those are fantastic and so easy. And again, it's that, can you commit to the 10 minutes? Because that's all it takes. I'm, so I'm looking at all the things I want to talk about. It's like, dude, you covered literally everything. And that makes me go, okay, what else, what else can you share with us? Uh, What I almost want to say, like, what other little things like that do you have? What things have helped you? What do you sign your, what do you get your clients to do to be more mindful, to be more grounded? Are there little, like, five minute exercises throughout the day? And I don't want to say hacks, but honestly, like, actually, let me back up for a second. I used what I call crutches. And these were things like, you know, meditation, visualizations, uh, learning scripts to speak empathetically to my children and my wife. And those crutches allowed me to get off the broken leg, which was my internal wounding and my, you know, all all the things in the matrix that I was experiencing. And so on the one hand, I love crutches because man, they get you off that pain so you can heal it. On the other hand, I'm very cognizant of the fact that they're just crutches and you got to go deeper than that. So is there any sort of final thing that we want to drop here before you tell everyone where to find you um, that could help the dads along their journey in unplugging from the matrix? Absolutely. It's about pattern interrupts. You need pattern interrupts. So here's one of my favorite things in a sense of if you're struggling with getting up in the morning, let's say you would like to have a morning routine, but you can't really get up in the morning. Uh, a really easy hack is, is to be able to put, if you're using your phone for an alarm, put your phone in your closet lay out your clothes and set the alarm in your closet. You have to get up out of bed, which is the step number one of what's hard to do to get up out of bed. Once you're up out of bed, you've overcome the first level of adversity, I guess you can say. Now, the reason why I also lay out my clothes is because second level of adversity is now I have to consciously think what I want to put on. I don't know if I want to do that. I'll just get back into bed. Oh, there are my clothes. Let me grab those. And then I keep going. And then the third morning hack that I do is I I drink about a 16 ounce glass of ice cold water, which actually will wake you up faster than coffee in the morning. Because when we sleep, we're hibernating. Our body is very high temperature and the duality of drinking the cold water. Some people like cold showers, cold plunges, stuff like that. I love cold plunge. I'm not a big fan of cold showers. I don't don't like how it like dribbles. Like I'd rather just plunge. But drinking cold water has the same effect. Like do it and literally you'll watch your eyes like go from sleepy to wake up like while you're doing it right there. One of my favorite pattern interrupts, which I'm going to play for you right now, is this. This is a sound bowl. This sound bowl right here 
whenever I find myself starting to feel a little bit fearful or I find myself starting to get a little bit stressed out, I just go. And it gets me back into the present in a second, right out of what I'm doing. Now, this sound ball also creates a frequency of 432 hertz, which is the heart center, uh, the frequency of the heart center. So even more so, it's activating the God within me, the creator within me, to speak inside of this space. And this thing was only 70 bucks online. So sometimes when you find unconventional methods, and I've, I've always found that sound is a great thing as an unconventional method, which really can help because the frequency can get you into the frequency of where you want to be. There's something called, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Meditative Mind, where you can, it has like frequencies of like abundance frequency or as frequency, like while I'm working, if I'm in the space, normally I'll have them in the background just playing the frequency the entire time because the sound is influencing my emotional complex to stay within a flow state, which is where I want to be. So those are just a couple of my favorite hacks that I have that just really help. And again, it's all about being present because the more that we're present, this is where reality is in the present. You're thinking about the past, you're in the matrix. When you think about the future, you're in the matrix. The mind, the ego is in control. When you're in the present, you're creating your life the way you want it to be. Perfectly put, man. That's funny. I have, uh, between the introduction and the main part of this podcast and then the intro, the sound that I use is just that. It's a gong. It gets you dropped in immediately to pay attention. And uh, I actually have a buddy, um, Frank, who owns, I think it's called the Ohm Store, who sells uh, handmade I think Tibetan sound bowls. So for anyone looking for one of those, uh, you know, shout out to Frank. So, uh, man, thank you so much for this time. This has been so nourishing to me and so useful. I know just from like all the guys that I talk to, there's going to be a lot of value in here for them. Could you let us know where to find you, how to work with you and uh, anywhere else that you want to point people to? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much on all social media outlets, I'm Zach Blakeney, my name. Um, if you're coming from the show and you want to send me a DM and just DM me red pill, I'll know that you've come from the show and you can DM me not if, even if you're not interested in being a client, if you have a question, anything you want me to clear up, um, I'll be happy to serve you in that way to try and help create some clarity in what I'm talking about. I realize what I'm talking about has a lot of, um, complexity inside of the web of what's happening. Hopefully what got spoken about, you start to recognize some of the behaviors that you're doing inside of there. So I'm happy to serve you in that way. Um, if you would like to find where my course is at, it's, uh, the red pill method.com. Uh, and once you go into the red pill method.com, you can see what everything is about. Um, it's the coaching that I offer and yeah, for now that's, that's where I'm at. There's a lot of different other avenues, whether it's relationship counseling, um, I did a couples counseling, did family counseling. There's a lot of things that we do inside of that. Um, uh, but again, if you have any questions, the best thing to do is just to find me on social and shoot me a DM. Amazing. Okay. We'll put all that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast for you guys listening, head over there. And, uh, we'll also put them in the, uh, the podcast app. So you can just go in and look at the description. All that will be there. Zach, man, I'm pumped that we were able to do this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Again, it was my honor. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.